Good morning, everybody. Uh, you know, like we should do that every time I come out, by the way. Just woo! No, no, no. Uh, I played that video just because I want you to know that uh, October is Pastor Appreciation Month. Um, and, uh, you know, it could be for me, right? I don't, you know, and I, I'm glad that you appreciate me. But really, a lot of us have had a lot of pastors that have spoken. We've had people that have helped in, that have helped with our walk. And so I would ask you that for me, I'm going to reach out to one of my old pastors and just say, hey, thank you for being part of my life. I just want you to just say, do the same thing. Reach out to somebody. Show them that you appreciate uh, them helping you in your walk, wherever that could be. You know, like, see, uh, if you ever get a chance to talk to Susan up here, she will tell you about her times when she was in Southern California and she went to a church. And so it'd be one of those places that you could reach out to and go, hey, thank you for helping me in my walk. Uh, the other thing that's up here right now is if you're going to follow along with our notes, we put out, we ask you to scan that QR code. Uh, that'll help you download our app. If you have an Android phone or an iPhone, it'll actually take you right to the app. You can download it from there. Uh, our notes are there. If you happen to miss service, you can follow along live. Uh, like right now, I uh, saw all kinds of people on our service right now. I saw all kinds of people watching live. And so thank you for being here. Thank you for wherever you're watching it at. I saw people on YouTube, on Facebook as well as our website. So thank you, and thank you for joining us. All right, let's dive in. This is our last week of Anthem of Hope. So over the last couple of weeks, the last six weeks, we've been talking about different mental health, and uh, it's kind of like a taboo topic in church. And what we want to do is we kind of want to help, help. There's so many of us that are dealing with different things. So many of us have dealt with depression and stress and anxiety and all these different things. We, we shouldn't make it to where we close things off because of it. And so what we really want to do is we want to help people address it because addressing that will help us draw nearer to God. Uh, question for you. How many of you feel, now I know we use this line a lot here. We always go, we're on the edge together, but how many of you feel that you're just on the edge? Like you're just like, you could just, woo, you could fall over, right? You could just feel that way. And you go, I can't take much more. Like, I, you know, sometimes you just stand there, right? And you're right on the edge and you're like, ah, and I know this isn't a very big fall, but if it felt, you know, but some of us, we just get to that point where we're like, I'm just right there. And some of you understand what I'm saying. And here's the thing. It's never easy to talk about, right? So for the last three years, I'm just going to be transparent with you. I've kind of had that where I've just been right at the edge and I really, really didn't, you know, about... About, I don't know, maybe two months ago or something like that, I just kind of hit a wall and I just said, I've got to do something about it. I got to call somebody. I got to change something. And that's really what led to this, us going into this series. See, most of us, we never saw it coming, right? You know, I never saw what was getting ready to happen to me. I never saw what was coming. I just got to a wall and I just go, I don't know what to do. I don't know how else to address this. I've been leading the edge for 10 years. I've been a pastor for 15 years. And I had this track record over and over again of just taking more on. I just kept taking more and more and more. Every year I seemed to go, let's just add that on as well. And let's add this on. And let's just add another thing. And then one day, it's kind of hard to describe, I just realized it's too much. Right? It's just too much. It's just, there's just too much going on at that point. And so I recognized I needed to get help. I was like, I got to do something about it. And so I called a mental health professional right? I just called, I said, Hey, this is what I'm dealing with. This is where I'm at. This is what, this is what's happening. And he, and, and within a 15 minutes of the conversation, he goes, you're dealing with burnout. And he's all, you have massive burnout. And see some of us, 
you may feel like you're about to crumble, you're about to break, you're not alone. You should know that. You're not alone in this situation. And look at this, a 2021 survey of U.S. workers. So by the way, this is right in the middle of COVID, right? 2021, it says more than half of workers feel burned out as a result of their job demands. And, and this is just job burnout. This is just people with job burnout. That's not talking about relational burnout. That's not talking about those that are struggling, that are just trying to, that are just trying to meet ends meet. They're, they're just not talking about all that. This is just job struggles. And more than half of people are going, I just can't do anymore here. I'm right on the edge. I could fall over. I could be in it. Where we turn, people are feeling overwhelmed. Talk to people about it. They're, they're stressed. They're, they're right on the edge of anger. They're, they're right there where they just face like they're in this world, that place I was, in burnout. They're just like, what am I supposed to do? And see, burnout isn't just a result of working long hours. It's a combination. It's mental, it's emotional, it's physical, and it's really just this exhaustion from multiple sources. And see, burnout generally reflects this inability to balance competing demands right? It's just inability to balance competing demands. See, like for me, you have to think, I have, I have social pressures, I have financial pressures, I have my kids, right? I have my wife, I have, you, you know, you, you, if you talk to my father-in-law, he's always trying to remind us, hey, I'm 76 years old, you should know, like, I, so now we're dealing with, he's trying to go, hey, let me deal with this, you know, I got to deal with my health, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, rather large gentleman. Uh, if you were to talk to me when I was in college, when I was playing college ball, I was 208 pounds. I ate that dude someplace along the line. And so there's kind of some stress there. And then also I work in one of the most stressful work environments that there is. You know, they, they say that this is one of the places that carries the most amount of stress just because of the burden that we, that we, that we carry, the things that we have going on. And so I, with that, when I don't accomplish all the things I want to accomplish, I feel guilt. I feel that I'm just, I'm not doing what God has asked me to do. I'm not doing best for the church. I'm just, I have guilt about it. See, here's the thing though. When you feel that way and you feel, it's really, really easy when you break your arm to go get a cast, right? You show up to the doctor, you got your arm's broken, a cast. They take care of it. But when you break down mentally, it's, it's, it's a big stigmatism that you're going to go talk to somebody about it. You go, hey, I'm feeling a little depressed. And they go, well, suck it up, move on. Or you go, hey, I'm dealing with some anxiety. It feels like I'm getting ready to have a heart attack. And they go, ah, take some deep breaths, because that's what I've told my wife. <laughs> take some deep breaths, think about something else. And that, by the way, those are tools that help work with it. But when you start getting to that point where you're on an airplane and you grip the seat in front of you that the person there is like, hey, please let go of my hair. You know, it's like... Yes, she has. <laughs> but, but see, here's the thing is that she may not, she gets to this point where she, you, you, you know, uh, if you ever, if you've ever ridden in a car, you ever, anybody ever wonder why there's a handle above the door, right? Anybody ever wonder why that is? Why is there a handle up here? What's going on? And, and so like, there's a reason why the handle's there. So that you, the, I, when I was a kid, it was called an O blank bar, right? You know, like hold on to the O, the, the O blank candle and so that's that's her as soon as we get on a plane it could be sitting on the ground and she's like you know like i can't wait for this to be over we're like we haven't even left the gate yet i, I know you know <laughs> and that's how it is it's it's where she's at 
But see, that's the thing is that when we get to that point, it's stigmatized. Because even the stewardess will walk by or the flight attendant. They don't call them stewardesses anymore. I apologize for that. The flight attendant will walk by. Are you okay? And no, I'm not. I'm not okay. And see, we have these things that cause that. And so we have these issues that come out of it. And so if that point right there, if something was to happen, like if we had, like I was on a flight recently into Denver and the whole plane felt like I don't go apart. If my wife would have been on that plane with me, not only with the anxiety of just flying, but it, if that point, like even people in front of me who could were pro, like professional flyers like I was, she, even she was like, we need to pray, baby. Like that's how the seat was in front of me. And I was like, does anybody know that turbulence doesn't take planes down? You know, and, and so, but that's the, so that's how it was. They were like, we need to be in this. If my wife would have been there, she would have been like, hey, I, I got to do something. And it wouldn't have been the answer of going, hey, babe, we're Christians, we're okay, just go ahead and t just pray some more, make sure that you're good with God, we're going to be good with this, right? Because isn't that what we answer with? As Christians, we go, hey, just make sure you're right with God, and it's, everything else is going to be all good. That's not the case, though. Because I get it, we, you know, all of us want to go to heaven, we just don't want to go to heaven today with a heart attack or in a plane crash or drowning or whatever it is, right? We don't want any of those things. We're like, I just want to go in my sleep. I just want, you know, that's how our mindset is. And so when you get to this point when you're stressed, you're feeling anxiety, you've got all this going on, all of a sudden we stigmatize that. It's a real thing. It's got stuff going on. You feel like your heart's pounding. You feel like it's, you're like, oh my God, I'm having a heart attack. And you go, oh, no, 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 just pray. Just, just pray. You'll be okay. That's how we've gotten and that's the problem. That's where we've really gotten to this point. So, we're, so we've kind of talked a little bit about this, because sometimes what is the difference between stress and burnout? Because there is a difference, right? What is the difference between stress and burnout? Stress is generally short-lived and related to a temporary project, okay? So if you're looking at this and you're going, feel stressed, that is short-lived. If you're always stressed and you're always stressed, it's not temporary. It's probably something else going on. So if you are stressed, it's generally short-lived and related to a temporary project or event. If you are facing burnout, it's chronic stress that's never-ending, right? So if you just continue to have, like, I'm just always stressed, I always got this going on, and see, uh, you know, burnout, there's no relief, there's no end in sight. You're just, you're just struggling with it. And see, you, you get to this point where you go, I don't care. I don't, you don't even have any fight left. You, you're just like, I'm out of this. I, I, and you feel dead inside. You know, it's just like the sense of hopelessness. Like, how do we get through this? What do we do? And so we're going to look at this. In the Old Testament, there's a prophet Elijah, and he faced stress, anxiety, depression, exhaustion, and burnout. All of those things. So when you look at this, go, this is stuff that's been happening since all the way back 3,000 years ago. And Elijah was considered close to God. So when we tell people, hey, the anxiety will go away if you just get close to God, Elijah was closer to God than anybody we really know in the Bible we see on a regular basis. And so, except for Jesus, obviously. But, but as he sits there, he goes and he confronts King Ahab. And he goes there and he goes, hey, your sinfulness is going to bring terror upon this nation. And all of a sudden, a drought happens, and it's three years of no rain. It's kind of like California, right? It's just what happens here. And so... King Ahab goes out and he hunts Elijah. He goes out on this mission and Elijah goes out on a run. And see, here's the thing. God provides for Elijah. 
So even though he's going through all of this, God provides. God's giving him, you know, he's delivering meat from ravens. So that's how we know that you shouldn't be a vegan or a vegetarian because God delivers meat and he raises the dead and he stood down 850 false prophets and, and he rains down fire from heaven, right? These are all the things that are happening. And see, King Ahab's wife, you may have heard of this, people this sometimes as Jezebel, right? Don't be a Jezebel. And so don't name your kids Jezebel. It sounds great, but you know, what he did is terrible. And so she's mad, right? She's like, I, you know, and, and she says, surely by this time tomorrow, you will be dead. That's what she tells him. And so Elijah goes, I'm not ready to die. Just like how we are when we are facing that, that, you know, when we're facing that anxiety, we're like, I'm not ready to die. Not now, not because of this. But this is the same thing Elijah's like, I'm not ready to die because this chick, I've got to go. I got to do something. I got to get out of here. And see, Elijah experienced this nonstop protection from God, this provision, this, this, this presence, the power of God. But one irritated woman makes a threat and he falls apart. I mean, I get it. I'm married as well. And so... <sighs> you see, I just, it, it, I just... I did. See, see last week when, we, when I filmed it, it was so much better because she was back there. I didn't get to stare like I'm getting right now. Like, she's like the, the, like the daggers didn't reach me from back there. It's like, you know, so, but here's the thing. When you look at the scripture, there's no evidence that Jezebel actually sent the army. There's no evidence of that. As you sit there, he's terrified. He's falling apart because of a threat. There's no evidence that she sent an army. There's no evidence that she sent mercenaries. There's no evidence that she sent out ninjas. It was just pure fear. That's all it was. It was just pure fear. So Kings, so we're in first Kings. Uh, chapter 19, verses 3 and 5, or 3 through 5. So if you open up your Bible, this is a little closer to the beginning. And so I, I, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to help you become a little bit better acquainted with the Bible. So I want you to actually open this up. Now, you might be following along. Notes. That's great. There's nothing like opening up the scripture, though. So uh, Kings, 1 Kings 19, verses 3 through 5. And it says here, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. How many of us have gotten afraid and we've ran from our life. And you hear that, you hear that statement? You ever think about it? Run, Forrest, run. That's kind of how our minds get. And we ran faster than we ever have before. You know, uh, and so when he came to Beersheba and Judah, he left his servant there. And see, here's the thing. That's what we tend to do when we get stressed, is that we tend to just go, hey. And it says, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came, and we're going to get to that. I, I just realized my notes show that we're going to go a little further, so I'll, I'll break that down here in a moment. And so he went a day's journey into the wilderness and he came to a broom brush and he sat down underneath it. And here's the thing. He prayed that he might die. He prayed that he might die. He's like, God, I'm just tired. I'm done with this. I've had enough is what, he, is what the scripture says. I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. Now, how does our bodies respond to stress and burnout? How many of you guys have ever seen you get so stressed out and you carry burnout that all of a sudden all you want to do is just sleep? You just want to lay down and sleep? Like, I just want to lay on the couch, turn on TV, and just sleep. All I want to do is I just want to stay in bed all day and just eat. You just lose all energy. You just lose nothing. You're just like, oh, I'm just done. Your body responds to stress and burnouts, and it manifests three different things. It does, it does, you have three different things that really happen. So number one, you have the physical that happens. These negative imprints on your brains, 
they come upon and they just leave these three things. So physical is you're easily fatigued, right? That's what happens. When you get stressed, you're just easy, easily fatigued. You have low energy. You have difficulty sleeping. How many, you know, like, how many of us are going, I just can't sleep. I'm up all night because you're stressed out. You're overthinking it. You have headaches. Your body aches. You get muscle pains. And to cope, you change your eating habits, right? Hey, you ever heard the, the term stress eating? You know, like, and that's what we tend to do. We'll eat because we're stressed out. We'll eat more. We'll eat less. And then all of a sudden we start getting bigger because we're eating more. And all of a sudden it drives us deeper into a depression and stressed out and overwhelmed feel because we look at the mirror and we go, oh, look at this. You just, you, you know, that's why I feel so tired is because I'm getting so big and you get so big and you don't want to change anything. I'm so tired. I can't go get into the gym. I can't go do this. I just don't feel up to doing it. It's like, it's one of these things that that physical all of a sudden leads to mental, right? And it ongoing and stress impacts the brain. It enlarges uh, the, the omelog, I can't even say it. That's it right there. You know, uh, it, it doesn't matter. No matter what I say, it's going to, it's the part in your brain that, that triggers the fight or flight response. Uh, if you ever watched the water boy, he couldn't say it. He said it, uh, that's where crocodiles are so angry because of, right? You know, that's what happens. And so it, it triggers this fight or flight and you get afraid, right? That's what happens. Desperate. You, you're, you, it weakens your, front, your prefrontal cortex. So I could say that one, that worked out. And it's part of how your brain makes decisions. All of these things are what happens. And so you become indecisive and you have this loss of memory. So anybody that you've ever heard of, they go, I don't have any short-term memory. They're probably facing some burnout or some stress. And you start talking to them, they go, I can't remember anything. Well, this is why. Because they're probably mentally overwhelmed, broken down, and they have this difficulty focusing, they have this difficulty remembering things, and they have difficulty making decisions. Just how it is. So you know this, it leads to physical things, leads to mental things, and then to, to just kind of wrap it all together, it becomes emotional, right? You lose motivation, you have this chronic feeling of self-doubt, you have this chronic feeling of failure, you're alone all the time, you're generally miserable, you're a person that's terrible to be around, you're like, oh my God, why... Like, what is wrong with you? you? You know, your job, your marriage, your life, you're cynical about all of it, you're bitter, you're disconnected from God, and then to top it off, you blame God for it. So that's what happens. Let's see, here's, and those are all things to where I was. My body was crashing and my mind was crumbling. And it just took some time. You know, here's the thing. I go, you know, my wife and I, you may notice that we vacation every once in a while. And by every once in a while, we do at least two of them a year, maybe three of them sometimes. It just depends. But we often love going to Hawaii. And so we'll go down there. We'll spend some time there. But here's the thing is that when I'm down there on vacation, I actually don't turn off. I'm checking my email. I'm responding to text messages. I'm still writing a sermon generally. I still have all those things that are happening. I'm, and I'm always reading a leadership book. I'd never just pick up a, a book that's going, hey, let me just read a John Grisham novel or any of those things. And so the thing is, is that I never really turn off. So even while I'm on vacation, I'm still working, which means I'm still continuing to bring this burden of church with me everywhere I go. And so some of us, though, we do the same things. You go on vacation and you have this tendency to do this. You're on vacation everywhere you go. And see, Disney doesn't help. So if you're going to Disneyland, so you should know this, number one, Disneyland is a terrible place for you to vacation as an adult. And here's the reason why. One, they've taught you 
to get on your phone and check ride times, to, you know, get a fast pass, do all of these things. The other thing is, there are so many kids there that you want to strangle all of them. Like, our homers walking around after BART. You're like, oh my gosh. You know, and so it just gets to this point. So you, it's not really a place to vacation. You take your kids there so that they have fun and you get ready to stress out the whole time. That's not vacation. So, but vacation is when you retreat and then you go, I don't need this anymore. I turn this off. I'm not going to deal with this. Because here's the thing. When Melissa and I went on our honeymoon, we went on a cruise. And if you've ever been on a cruise 15 years ago, 17 years ago, when you went on a cruise, they didn't have cell phone service. There was no Wi-Fi. There was no nothing. Now it's out there. But you get on that cruise, you get out on the middle of the water, you're like, hey, the phone doesn't work anymore. Well, you're actually away from everything. And so, and here's the best part about that. When we got back to the shore, the world didn't end. It was still there. Uh, literally, we got off the boat and all those same problems, everything was there. It's just that they didn't exist while we were on the ship. It was a true vacation. That's how we need to start getting when we start finding rest and pulling away from things is that your mind needs two weeks away from everything else. And see, most of us, we will say that no one understands the pressure that we're under. Too much, it's so much stuff that we have going on, but most of this pressure that we're under is self-inflicted. Most of it is self-inflicted. And see, some of us will use the line that this is what I have to do. This is how I have to do things. And I will be, and so the other people will use this line, I'll hurt until the day I die or until this job kills me first, right? Isn't that what happens? My back hurts, this hurts. And see, how do we get here? Elijah made the same mistakes. It just really happens. Number one, we run ourselves into the ground. That's what we do. And it says in 1 Kings 19.3, it says, Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. Where was he going to run to? Where was he after? He, he, see, he was running to Bersheba. He couldn't run. He couldn't go any further. It was 100 miles to the south. It was the limit of the country. He didn't have anywhere else to go. And see, for some of us, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to do it all. We're going to, you're trying to deal with college and grades and a full-time job. And maybe you're trying to, to join some sort of, sort of thing, right? You're doing, you're, you're trying to go and find a, uh, you know, a good job or a good medical bill or a good doctor or pay bills and find a stressful, or maybe get out of a stressful job or get out of a stressful house or all these activities that we pile on. And, and then at, on top of that, you become a pastor, and you go, I'm going to save the world. And that's just, it's just too much. That is at the expense of your own health. It ends up happening. It's all at the expense of your own health. The next thing is, and we try to do it all on our own. We try to do it all on our own. And so you have this that comes up often. And says, you know, he gets to this point where he says he came to Beersheba and in Judah and he left his servant there. He's like, you can't come with me for this. I'm just going to leave you here. And he went out on his own. See, here's the thing. COVID has kind of normalized staying at home and being alone. And see, it, it really limited our Christian community. It's what it did. It just made it to where like, oh, you know, and we, we continued to listen to this. Church is non-essential. We don't need this. And so you ended up having on antidepressants and anti-anxiety drugs because we literally need community we need it it is part of our structure it's part of our dna it's how god designed us he literally looked at adam and he said mm -mm -mm, he cannot be alone he can't be we cannot be alone but that's the first thing that happens when we get stressed when we get when we're struggling we go and we become alone and see the thing is that online we generally didn't have any sort of any sort of small group support. We were just like, no, nope, we're just going to be online. That's what we're going to do. 
and you can't tell anyone because all of a sudden you're afraid of the stigmatism that's attached to it, and you're embarrassed, and you're too proud to ask for help. It's what happens. And then number three, we dwell on the negative. And so when you've had enough, it feels like you've failed. And so you end up dwelling on the negative of it. And here's what he says on, in 1 Kings 19.4. He says, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. We tend to compare our lives to everybody else's life. We compare to that person or that person. We get on Facebook and we look at somebody who's taking his time with their Instagram feed together and everything looks perfect when they're just dealing with the same stress as you are. They just happen to have better on Facebook or Instagram. They, they took the right picture of their food. They took the right picture of everything they have going on. And, you know, and we compare ourselves to them. Like we compare ourselves to people going, well, they never got into debt. They, they you know, or, or how come I've never gotten married or whatever, or, you know, or how, how they just seem they can get it all done. She's like a super mom or he's like a super dad. They just seem happy. That's how we get to in this. And so we, we, you know, we start comparing to other people and it drives us deeper and deeper into this. And, and we get to this point, we go, I've had enough even trying to keep up with that. I'm just going to give up with it. I'm just, you know, it's not even worth it anymore. Is how our mindsets get in. And in Eliza's darkest moment, God came to him. And see, God has been trying to come to you. That's what's been happening. In your, in your weakest and your darkest moments, God's been trying to come to you. He, and, and here's what it says in 1 Kings 19.5. It says, all at once, and the angel touched him and said, the, the angel didn't come to him and go, hey, Elijah, you loser. Hey, Elijah, you failure. Hey, Elijah, what are you doing under the bush? What's happening down there? Are you scared of Jesse back there? What's going on? You should pray and you've committed sin. You know, is that where your mindset is? And here the angel says, hey, get up and eat. And he looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and then he laid down again. And so here's what it says. He says, get up and eat. Get up, do something. Take care of yourself. You know, and see, after Elijah does that, he takes another nap. You know, that's just what happens. And see, sometimes the most spiritual thing that you can do is you can rest. That's the most spiritual thing that you can do is you can actually rest. That's what we see here. So I'm not telling you to, to eat a donut and then take a nap, right? That's not what I'm telling you. That's not, that's not going to work out for your waistline. But, but maybe you could, take, you could eat a protein bar, eat some gluten-free food, that doesn't have any GMOs in it or whatever, maybe some matcha green tea, avocado toast, whatever it is. I, I, by the way, I'm not recommending any of these things. They all taste terrible. And that whole gluten-free thing, I don't even understand how people do it. Like, bread that has no bread in it, like, I don't understand. But, but you have to think about this. Have something healthy, take a nap. Relax. Get, start, st stop having this false guilt. Don't, don't have this mindset where you're letting your mind bully your body. It's what's, what we're doing at that point. Your mind is so powerful, and you're letting it bully your body. And see, some of you, you just need a break, rest, a day off, a week off. You just need to be in the still, not on your cell phone, not dealing with all the chaos that you're going to be leaving behind. Just in the still with God. Some of you need rest. Also, some of you need more. Some of you need more than that. See, me, rest and time off doesn't really work, right? I needed a counselor. I needed somebody I could talk to. Some of us, even when my counselor, he's like, hey, what are you eating? How are, what's your sleep look like? How, how are you getting refilled? And see, all of those things, you have to start looking at this. See, some of you, you're not just tired, 
you're depleted. It's just gone. It's out of you. And so we need to take a nap. We need to get rest. And, and see, some of you are just too depleted to refill. You're just, you're just so empty. You can't do it. You know, and see, what are you doing to, to experience new activities that help you find joy? See, that's really what it comes down to is that often we go, I don't feel like doing that. I don't feel like going out. I don't feel like doing these things. You need to find some new activities. You need to go out and do different things. You can't just continue to do the same thing, expecting different results. We know what that's the definition of. Insanity. That's right. So you have to work with your mind. You have to disengage your mind and engage your body is what you have to get to. Work with your body, rest your body, engage your mind then. So go to the beach, read a book maybe, whatever you got to do. But find something that isn't continuing to try and force you at work. What else do you need? Maybe some different rhythms of life. You know, maybe we need to change the rhythms. Maybe we need to change the pace. Maybe we need to rest. Maybe we need to refill. Maybe we need more community. I, and I'm going to tell you that there's nothing that, anybody ever hear the line that a smile is contagious? Right? But if you never see a smile, right? You don't smile at the TV when the TV smiles at you. You know, you know like, I, wait a minute, I'm not smiling back at that. Sometimes you might laugh at it, right? You know, depending upon how it is. But really, when you're around other people and they're laughing and joking and having a good time, you want to be around that. You want to experience that. That's what brings joy. It helps with that. And see, what else do you need? Of course, you need God, right? You know, we've got to have these new rhythms and maybe a new relationship with God. Maybe we need to encounter more of the presence of God. Here's the thing. What are you listening to on the radio? Okay, because I've used this line before, right? What are you listening to on the radio? And see, so here's the problem. You may not know it, but you listen to something often enough, and all of a sudden, it's inside of you. You hear it, and it becomes you. So I'll give you this example. I'm going to use an older song because I know that most of you know it. Is that when all of a sudden, when it comes on the radio, you hear this Taylor Swift song where she's talking about Shake It Off. Literally, somebody up front just started shaking it off. No, I started singing it. You don't even, you're not even intending to learn the song. Who wants to learn the Taylor Swift song, Shake It Off? Taylor Swift didn't even want to learn that song, and yet she's out singing it, and here you are, got such a hook, such a beat, that you're like, oh yeah, I can sing this. You're into it. You, can, you know the song. You do the moves. You're like, oh yeah, shake it off. Let me just brush it off my shoulders. All of those things. You never intended to learn it, but yet it became part of you because you were just absorbing it. So here's the thing. I get into people's cars. Actually, I get into our own vehicle, like the church's vehicle, and I'm listening to KML, or I'm listening to 102.5, the bomb, or I'm listening to this or listening to that. And all of a sudden, I listen to what's coming through the radio, and none of it is like what you would go, huh, this is what Christians do. You know, so the window to the wall. Oh, even know that song too, right? I got somebody else singing that one up front. You know, I, I just tell you is that you listen to that song, you should really know what that song's about. I mean, I'm not going to want to tell you, but go ahead and Google it. It's terrible, by the way. It's definitely not appropriate. <laughs> but you know the words. You know it like you're like, oh, hey, to the window. You don't even get into the club and sing along with it. You're into it. You know it. The song is terrible, by the way. Terrible. Terrible. So as you're listening to this, you can even name the movies it was in at this point. You know, like, you're like, it was in this, it was this, it was sung by Little John and the Ying Yang Twins, it had this going on and that. Like, like, hey, wait a minute here, I do know it. I mean, I used to, you know, but now that I know what it's about, I'm like, yep, change that station, especially if my kids are in the car. Oh, yeah, let's, let's let them listen to this. Hey, 
Anyway, what are you listening to? And I'm not saying that you should be listening to Caleb all the time, but Caleb has air one. You need to pay attention to what you're consuming. You need to be like, hey, what are we watching here? What are we consuming? What is coming in? Because what comes in is the abundance, and what goes out is the abundance of what's in your heart. So what are you watching? What are you consuming? What are you listening to? What is going on? Because that is what's going to come out of your mouth. That is what you're going to spill. That is what's going to overpour out of you, whatever you fill yourself with. So if you're trying to have this abundance of God, you better be filling yourselves with God. What are you listening to? What are you, what are you encountering? Where are you putting at? Where is your mind focused at? Is your mind focused on, hey, I want to go out and I want to sing the Ying Yang Twins and J Little John from the windows to the wall and talk about all what's going on there? Or do I want to talk about how God is glorious and how he saves me and how he is my best interest in mind and how he wants to have a relationship with me. What is it that we're after? What is it that we're trying to encounter? Are you trying to encounter the presence of God or are you trying to encounter the, the stereotypical? And it, you may be like, well, Mike, I don't listen to that. You know what I do? I watch Fox News all day or I watch CNN all day or I watch SNBC all day or I watch this all day. Whatever it is, is that, does, do you think that your anger at the Republican Party or your anger at the Democratic Party is going to be how Jesus will respond? Do you think that Jesus came here and said, I hate all Republicans and I hate all Democrats? No, because here's what Jesus did. Jesus came and he said, I love you and 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 everybody. That's what he did. He didn't come to you and go, hey, are you a Republican? Are you a Democrat? And if you said, yes, he'd go, oh, man. God doesn't love you. He didn't do that. He loved everybody. And trust me, politics was happening back then too. Uh, do, you, do you love the, the Sadducees or do you love the Roman Empire? What is it that you're after? Because if you love the Roman Empire, then mm, I can't talk to you. I'm just this rabbi that's kind of running around here and got an issue. And, and see, we have to get better at going, how do we love better? How do we do these things? And how do we... The only way you do that is by filtering what comes in and, in and encountering the presence of God more often. That's where you have to be. So after a long journey, the Lord finally comes to, to Elijah and he, here's what he says. He said in verse 11, he says, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the, after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. See, the wind and an earthquake, the Lord's not in an earthquake. And in a fire, the Lord's not in a fire. I mean, it's not earth, wind, and fire, so if you're listening to that, the Lord's not there either. God's not in any of it, right? Isn't that what's happening here? See, God wasn't in the extraordinary. He was in the ordinary. That's where God was at. He was in the whisper. He was in the still. He was in the quiet. And see, God speaks to you in ordinary moments. That's where God's trying to talk to you, just in ordinary moments. In the quiet in the morning. While you're folding laundry, while you're, while you're changing diapers, while you're, you're loving the difficult person at work, <clears throat> God is trying to speak to you there. 
See, when you're overwhelmed by stress, when you're overwhelmed by anxiety, and you're on the edge of burnout, why does God's voice seem so quiet? Why does he whisper? Because a whisper means that somebody's close. In order to hear a whisper, you have to be close by. If I'm whispering, you can't hear it. To somebody, unless you're there, you can hear it. See, Elijah was in a cave, and the whisper drew him out. What is that? What are you saying, Lord? Where am I going at? And see, when you feel that you're brokenhearted, because that's where a lot of us are, the scripture tells us that God is close to the brokenhearted. That's where he's at. And when you're in God saves those that are crushed. That's what he does. When we are in that crushing, God is there to save us. And when you feel hurt, you are not helpless. The thing is that we get to this point when we're in hurt and we feel down, we just feel that, like, well, I'm just helpless to this. I'm helpless to the situation. And you're not. You're not helpless. God is with you. And you, when you feel discouraged, because that's how we often get, we feel discouraged. We get to this mindset of going, God, what am I doing? How am I supposed to get through this? And we just get to this sense of discouragement. You are not without hope. That's who Jesus is. He is our hope. He is our he is that, that is, and, and see, when you are weak, Jesus makes you strong. And when you're alone, Jesus is not abandoned. And when he will never, ever leave you. See, that's the thing, though. We get so checked out. You know, the funny part is I come in and I, and I get up here and I can see that at about 20 minutes into this, you start nodding off. And that's when I'm just getting good. You know, you're like, you're already in nap session. You're like, See, here's the thing is that when we come in, we're so overstimulated by the TV, by the video games, by our phones, by all these things that when somebody's coming in and, and, and you're starting to get to the point where you're getting ready to hear the whisper of God, you check out and go to nap. You check out and go into the other place. And see, what we have to do is we have to get better at being in the still. We have to get better at being in the quiet. Some of you, you can't even. Like I talked to my, my daughter who's in the back, who's helping run service today every week but as you talk to her as she's trying to do schoolwork she cannot do it without music you, you know how many of us are that? we have to have music we have to have sound and if you take away that if you ever do like for me i have i have uh noise counseling headphones and if i ever put those in and it gets and it just all the sound goes away i'm like oh my gosh something's wrong we cannot handle being in the quiet we can't handle being in the still like even when you go camping you're like if there's no sound out there you're like oh my gosh there's a bear coming Right now, it's coming to eat me. You're like, wait a minute, you can't even hear anything. A bear would be making some noise. You're like, it's going to come get me right now. Or your mind gets to, where are the crickets at? What's happening? Is there some sort of massive lizard out there that's eating all the crickets right now? It's got to be like this massive gecko that's getting ready to come swallow me up. Uh, that's how my wife is, by the way. It's giving you some more insight. <laughs> she's never said the lizard thing, but she's definitely afraid of mountain lions and bears. <laughs> she's like... She's like, is there a mountain lions here? Yes, this is California. Mountain lions are everywhere. Is there the bears here? And if you guys didn't notice this, about six months ago or five months ago, we had a bear on the streets of very, like going door to door. Hey, I'm here for some food. You know, <laughs> I mean, so yes, there are bears here. It doesn't matter where you're at, they're here. Anyway, Jesus makes an invitation to Matthew 11. And so I'm gonna read from the message because it just reads so clean here. It says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out by religion? Because that's where we get to. We're tired, we're burned out, and we're tired of religion. And we're just bound by religion. And so Jesus tells us, he says, come to me. He says, get away with me and, I'll, and you'll recover your life. And I'll show you how to take a real 
rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn from the unforced rhythms of grace. And I won't lay anything ill or anything heavy or ill-fitting on you and keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. See, here's the thing. When you look at Jesus' life, he was never busy and he was never rushed. Just look at it. He was never, ever rushed. His best friend was dying and he showed up three days later. He wasn't rushed. He said, I'm doing something right now. I'll be there as soon as I can. See, for you, we live in this constant state of being rushed. We get up every day, we're rushing to work, we're rushing home from work, we're, we take the kids to soccer practice, to baseball practice, to softball practice, we run the music lessons to this, to that. We're doing everything, and it's always this consistent, I've always got more and more and more and more to do, and then you take on more and more and more, rather than going, I need, so there's a great book out there written by John Comer, and he goes out, you need to have this ruthless elimination of hurry. Eliminate it. Be one that I can rest, I can take time, I can have peace. You need to be ruthless, ruthlessly saying no to things. Going, no, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not going to take care of these things. And see, here's the thing. If you're depressed, if you're crushed by anxiety, if you're sinking in the negativity, you've been hurt, you've been betrayed, you've been abused, you've been heartbreak, trauma. burdens on me cast will give you rest and i will teach you how in the rhythms of grace that's the problem we're not trying to live within the rhythms of grace we're trying to live with keeping up with the joneses we're trying to have more stuff and more things and more stress and all those things and i've used this line before and i'll use it over and over and over and over again i have done lots and lots of funerals. More, I've done more funerals than I've done weddings, which is not what I ever anticipated. I got, I was like, hey, I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to do baptisms and weddings. Nope. The first year, I did three times as many funerals as I did weddings. And the following year after that, it was even more than that. And here's the thing. Out of all those funerals I've done, no one has ever been buried with their stuff. I've never ever seen a U-Haul following the hearse down the road so that they could take it all with them. Never once have I sat and I've been and I've been praying over a family that's been that is heartbroken from the loss of their child or that is heartbroken from the loss of their of a parent or whatever it is, and they're going, you know, she really is happy up in heaven with that BMW she just bought. Or never ever have they ever gotten to this point and you go, they just had to have that extra zero in the bank in order to be happy. Never ever do you experience that. But they always talk about it. Any funeral you go to, they talk about their relationship they were, how much they loved, how much they cared about them, how much they sacrificed for other people, how much they lived a life that emulates Jesus. They may not have called it that, but they always talk about how generous and how loving and how caring and how much they continued to be uplifting. That is what Jesus did. And that is where people find hope and they find purpose in life and they find this, this passion that they're supposed to be living under. It's not by this daily cycle of doing the nothingness. It's not by continuing to pile more on and more on and be a mom or dad taxi or being this one that slaves at a job that is meaningless and has no purpose. And all you do is you live to work rather than work to live. And that's where we get to. And we go, so tired because you do not have a choice. 
Because you don't have time to be generous. You don't have time to love people. You don't have time to give of your life. All you do is continue to be bombarded and bombarded and take more and more without saying no. And all you're going is, why do I feel this way? You feel this way because you have lost your sense of direction with Jesus. We have to get back into this embracing of going, Jesus, help guide me. Help me find your voice in the still. Help me be comfortable in my own skin. Help me be comfortable in the silence. Help me with the wind. Help me stop with the earthquake. And, and just let me embrace the quiet and let me embrace the time with you and let me be a reflection of who you are. Somebody who's not hurried. Somebody who is stressed. Somebody who continued to do things even though they were hard. As he's getting ready to be crucified, he says, Father, if you can, take this cup from me. That's where he gets to. But he still says, I've got to go do this. He wasn't rushed. He wasn't hurried. He didn't have any things going on. He just goes, this is what my purpose is. And we don't step into our purposes. We avoid the purpose. I would ask you to go back into the scripture. Go back to Matthew 11. Go read this. Embrace this. Underline this. Highlight it. Take, get the notes out that we have on our app. Take this printed out. Cut and post it someplace that you can see it on a regular basis. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? And I'm going to tell you something. That word religion, if we go back to the beginning of this, when Jesus is talking about this, this means to be bound over. That's what religion means. So when anybody asks you what religion you are, you go, I'm not, in, I'm not a religious person. I'm a follower of Christ. That's what you tell people. And so, because that religion means to be bound over, to be set to a, a pile of rules, a set of rules. And you're not to that. You are called to love God and love others. And so go back to this. Are you tired? Are you burned out? Are you, are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. A real rest. Not, not what you think is a fake rest. That trip to Disneyland or that trip to that trip to Hawaii where you never really put down your phone or that trip that you went out and you were down at Monterey and you were loving all the wine and all the stuff that you were enjoying down there, but yet you still have your cell phone and actually embrace the relationship you have with your spouse. You just continued to dive into what you were doing. A real rest. And he says, walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay down anything heavy or ill-fitting on you, keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Isn't that what we want? We want to live freely and lightly, to be able to, to, to cast off the stress, to be able to cast off the burdens that we carry, to be able to cast that off. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes for me, right? Because you guys, you, guys you, you won't do it with your eyes open, but I want you to, I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to I want you, what I want you to do is I just want you to start thinking about the, the burdens that you've been carrying, the stresses that you've been carrying, the, the hurts that you've been carrying, the, all of the things that you've been carrying and the stresses that have been bogging you down. And I want you to just start taking this time to metaphorically cast them onto Jesus, to, to remove them from you, to just go, God, I don't want this anymore. I don't want to carry this burden anymore. I want to be able to find this unforced rhythm of grace. I just want to find this time to spend with Jesus, to find this time to, to be able to love, to be able to feel love, to be able to, to cast all of this away to you. Father, help me, help me get rid of the stress. Help me, help me say no. Help me say no to the things that burden me from doing the work that you've asked me to do. Help me 
Help me just to, to do what matters. To, to love. To, to, yes, we have to work, but I'm not working because this is what my, I, this, I don't live to work. I work so that I can do the other things to live, to do the jobs that you've asked me to do, to, to be able to care for others, to be able to be, to be a beacon of hope, to be a city on a hill, a light in the darkness. And I can't be that with these things that are weighing me down. So Father, help me cast them onto you. Help me cast them to the cross. Help me, help me embrace this time with Jesus. Help me stop feeling worn out and tired and burned out by religion. Just help me embrace what love looks like. If you would, keeping your eyes closed, just put a hand up. And just reach out and go, Father, I'm reaching out to you right now. I'm reaching out to you and just, I know that you are a Father in heaven that is just, that is just willing to take the cares, that is willing to take the burdens, that's willing to take the stress so that I could live lightly and freely. Father, I give it to you. I allow you to have this and you to deal with it, and for me to be able to, to do the work that you've asked me to do, to be generous, to love, to care for those around me. So that that's the stories they share, not that he was a hermit locked in his room, stressed out all the time, but that he was caring, loving, and he emulated Jesus. Father, thank you. You can put your hands down. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today and thank you for this series that we've gone through and helping us recognize our, our mental health issues, helping us recognize those things that bog us down, those things that, that we carry. Help us to cast those away. Help us to find peace in our anxiety and, our, and, and help us find joy in our depression and help us to find rest in our burnout. Father, help us to just be willing to talk about our, our, our mental state of mind, the things that we have going on, and help us to, to remove the stigmatism from, from depression and anxiety and all these different mental health issues that, we, that people are dealing with daily, and, they're, and they just want to be loved. And they just want to be able to cast their cares to somebody who will listen and care for them and love on them, even though they're struggling. And so help us be that and help us be willing to share and help us be willing to cast. Father, help us have this courage that for so often we were told that you don't cry and that you don't share those things. Help us to cast away those, those old rules of thumb or those things that, that prevented us from actually loving and caring and sharing. Help us to do a new thing with you. Father, thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.